0: You're listening to The Agile CTO, a podcast geared toward technology professionals, disruptors, and thought leaders. This show will aim to cover industry trends, new technologies, the life of a CTO, building dev culture, stories from some of today's leading CTOs, and so much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show.
1: Welcome back to the Agile CTO Podcast, everyone. I'm Harley Ferguson, and today we've got a different style of podcast for you. We've got what we're coining as a roundtable here, where it's just going to be a couple of people talking about a specific topic. Today, I'm joined by my usual co-host, Guy. How's it going?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, it's good to, good to be back. i uh, been on leave for a little while, so um, it's nice to be in front of the mic again. And uh, Alan, how are you going?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good, thanks, guys. Yeah, it's nice to have you back from leave because things are getting a bit hairy there for a bit.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was every now and then just checking
1: my emails, to seeing
2: what's going on <laughs> in the world. Yeah. I'm like, okay, sure. the that fire, that fire is still uh, it's just a little bit of a smolder. It's not yet blazing. <laughs> Good.
1: So today, our podcast is going to be around something that's very important to us at Hey Fidelity Software and kind of what our whole business model is built around right now, which is outsourcing. So, Alan, do you want to give a brief overview? What is outsourcing, maybe from a high-level perspective to those that don't know?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I think uh, a number of players in the space, I think I was reading the other day that there are 10,000-plus boutique and sort of mid-sized consultancy. So there are a lot of us all over the place. But, yeah, I'm keen today to explore some of the maybe lesser-known tips and tricks in outsourcing for the Agile CTO to be aware of. But, yeah, in the world of outsourcing... I suppose it is the counter to insourcing or doing everything in-house. And it's normally the challenge of, yeah, do you build your own in-house team or do you outsource? Do you make it somebody else's problem to deal with the talent and the delivery or the resource and the normal recruitment challenges? And then, of course, there's the hybrid model where a number of CTOs are heading into that realm of, yeah, hybrid in-house and outsourcing and getting that mixture that combination right. But yeah, uh, I suppose top line outsourcing yeah is the the act of outsourcing a part of your development process or your development team to another team, right? To some somewhere else. A lot of the time it's overseas or in some place where the labor cost is a bit cheaper. But cost isn't invariably the only i think it's just one of the three reasons i think the most common one of people thinking i'm going to outsource it meaning you're going to get it done cheaper but a lot of people are outsourcing for quality because they just can't get a hold of the skill set or they've they want to boost their team with a skill set or with a quality that they don't have and i think the other third is they're outsourcing it for speed like they just need extra capacity they're actually they're not too worried about the cost they probably could insource it but it's maybe going to take too long so you just want to like add an extra 3 devs to get it done faster. So I think those are your three main reasons to outsource.
2: Right, so each one obviously has its own inherent risks and and there's a lot of stuff to consider when when talking about outsourcing. And of course there's a whole lot of different flavors of outsourcing. So what's your take on on some of the some of the flavors and, and how you can approach outsourcing?
0: Yeah, I think it's a a good way to put it. I think a lot of people, a lot of the CTOs are thinking, oh, I'm going to outsource. They just assume, oh, I'm doing it for cost. I want some cheap devs, you know, and and they'll think of the usual suspects in the Far East and, like, that's outsourcing, especially a lot of CTOs in in the UK and Europe and the US, like, that's the default. But I think the way we've been thinking about it more recently, and I think is an important way for CTOs to think about it, is it's not just about cost or, or speed, but think about it in terms of delivery and And where the where you are on the maturity spectrum of agile and where you are on this maturity spectrum of your, yeah, you know, what kind of delivery you looking for? and And we started to define it internally to help identify ourselves like where do we want to be on the spectrum of the flavors of outsourcing? At the one end of the spectrum, you know, the far left is, you you could outsource to a partner that's got zero delivery focus. They just provide you with resource, and that's more like body leasing. And you're just looking for a bunch of devs, you know, some pairs of hands to do stuff. And that that company that you're engaging with takes zero accountability or responsibility for what you're delivering, or 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 even sometimes how you're delivering. They just give you a pair of hands, and you make it of your will. And then at the far end of the other spectrum is the exact opposite is an outsourcing partner that is highly delivery focused, where you don't pay them unless they deliver. You know, that's now fixed cost kind of dev partners. And that sort of spectrum, say one to ten of zero delivery focus and maximum delivery focus. I think it's worthwhile for a CTO to understand not just oh, I'm outsourcing to some you know dev shop in Poland, but actually understand, okay where does this partner that you're dealing with, where are they on the spectrum? Are they taking some delivery risk with you? Or are they just giving you pairs of hands and they're making it your problem? And where do you want to be? I mean, there's, there's, there's uh, a case could be made that there's a place on this continuum for every project. There are some cases where you just want a pair of hands because maybe your agile maturity is really high and maybe you've got really good product owners and your BA is like really slick. Then sure, maybe you can live on the far left and just get some pairs of hands and body lease a bunch of good devs, you know? But sometimes you might need to accept that your POs are not that great, or maybe your BA process is a bit poor, or your agile ability is a bit poor. Then you shouldn't be at the far left end of the spectrum. It might then serve your project better to be maybe eight out of 10, or maybe six out of 10 on the spectrum, and and sort of identifying how delivery-focused you need your partner to be? Like, how much risk are they taking with you? And I think that's an important... Thing, yeah, it's an important sort of facet that every outsourcing provider should identify. Where are they on this continuum? And then also for the CTOs out there to identify, well, yeah, what kind of what kind of partner do they want, and where on the spectrum do they need them to be? And I don't think enough has thought about that.
1: So you're, you're mentioning there that they need to be able to identify what type of partner they're needing, and maybe question to you, guy, in your experience, do you have any? indicators or metrics that people can use, or CTOs can use to figure out, okay, I need. I really just need a, a bums in seats, a body leasing type of partner, or I need a team that's going to fully deliver this for me. Yeah.
2: And um, I guess the answer to that is how mature is their internal process, right? So if I if I put myself, uh, if I put a CTO hat on in a, let's say a mom and pop's bakery scenario, right? And I need to migrate everything that I do into some cloud provider, I'm looking for an IT solution. So- typically in that in that world, you've got no idea. you've maybe got your cousin who's looking after your i t. It's a very simple solution it's very simple scenario here right but uh, you don't know what you don't know in that world, so you would probably need somebody to tell you that. But in a in a bigger organization, you might you might have a very mature internal dev team who's following good process, who's following Agile and Scrum. So you've got a good understanding of what delivery looks like in your business, and you may not need that from a outsourcing provider. So you're just looking for an augmented individual to come in. You know, sit down with my team and assist me to get these stories over the line. But I, I find, and Alan, you could probably jump in here, but that's pretty rare, right? Where you find a very mature internal Scrum team in a BAU scenario in an existing client. What we see more often than not is uh, dysfunctional development teams. Uh, either either there's the resources are very talented and they're not sort of managed correctly, or there is no um, talent and there's excellent sort of process, but they're looking for the people to fill into that process. But it's very rarely. One side of the spectrum or the
0: other. Yeah, I think the the unfortunate case is is often also a a situation where the CTO can unfortunately overestimate actually how mature they are in the space and think, you know, what we've got this covered. Our BA is solid. Our process is really good. You know, our uh, all of our environments are are ready to add another three outsourced devs, and invariably that may not be the right approach. It may actually be rather than throwing three more devs to a a a process that's still a work in process, it might a work in progress, it might be better to go more delivery focused and outsource that component and maybe even use your outsource partner if, if they happen to be a lot more delivery focused and are building agile teams more often, they might actually be able to teach you a few things on process and delivery as opposed to, oh, let's just get three pairs of hands. So I think I think a lot of CTOs just think, oh, outsource it's just pairs of hands. They just see it as you know, on the spectrum of of you know one to ten, they think all outsourcing is like one, twos, and threes. They're just like um, glorified body leasing. Where it's important to to look at the whole spectrum. Maybe you'll be better served by a five out of ten, or maybe you'll be served more like out of eight out of ten, or maybe you need a fixed cost provider and go 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 full delivery, fixed cost at the other end. You know, there's I suppose there's pros and cons at every aspect of that continuum.
2: Um, Alan, what would we do in a scenario where we where we assess a CTO to be um, not as mature as we would hope, right? To help them to identify what sort of outsourcing provider uh, they would need, what would what would our approach be to assisting them to to finding the right answer?
0: Yeah, I think our our approach, which has worked quite well to now, is. Just to try to engage in more conversation. So, you, I mean, there are some CTOs, especially larger corporates, that they're pretty clear what it is that they want, right? So then they will engage with us, and I can see that they are they see us in the same light and the same vein as somebody or an outsource provider in India. That's maybe a one or a two on the spectrum, and then you can instantly feel like, okay, this isn't really our bag because we're not body leases. So you're 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 expecting us to live at the end of the spectrum. There are approaches, look, like we try to engage in a bit more dialogue and, and sort of see is that really where you're at? And some cases it is. Some cases it is a very mature organization, plenty teams. They're running with you know 40, 50 devs already, and they really are just looking for skill. And then fair enough. A lot of the time it's I think it's about just being a bit more attentive to not just stopping at the first thing that they ask for and actually trying to understand, okay, cool. Come in, let's try and have another conversation and you yeah, we quite like, I mean, you'll know, Guy, we will, we'll offer your time to get thrown in there so that you can also have a look at, okay, what is actually happening with the technical solution? Because, again, sometimes the CTO might say, you know what, I need three backenders. And you realize, actually, maybe that's not the best bang for buck. Maybe the best bang for buck here, you know, not that you want to be telling the CTO how to do their job, but, you know, it needs to come from a place of, you know, mutually try to finding the best outcome, the best outcome for this delivery. And often we've had a case where a conversation starts with, you know, I need three QAs. And it turns into actually, you know what? We need one really, really hot automation QA and a back end dev and a bit of help on BA. And that's that seems to happen more than 50% of the time these days. And and I think that's imp- that's important, right? Because an, another uh outsource provider that lives around the one, two, three on the spectrum, they'll just go, oh, you want some QAs? Here's a QA. And you're doing what the CTO asked, but it may not really be fully explored.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's often quite a, um, a mental, I don't know, it's, it causes a bit of discomfort for me a lot of the time, because you're clearly being asked sometimes for X amount of resources. Let's say, I'm looking for five senior devs. Right, cool. That's what I want as a CTO. But then we'll go in there and we'll have a look at what's going on. And, and what we have re- what we often realize, as you say, is that actually they just need a BA for the next month to just understand what it is they want to build first before we start talking about throwing resources out there, right? And often that is not in our favor financially. And I don't know what your take is on that, right? But that's probably the the uh, more responsible thing to do, at least in my opinion.
0: Yeah, look, I, I think it's about, and it's interesting how it came out of, our journey on, okay, well, where do, we want to, where do we want to be on this continuum, right? So, I mean, for our first couple of years, I would say we were a, a four or five, right? So, in other words, we're not kind of body leasing, but we'll occasionally land up body leasing without noticing it. But we're trying to be a resource partner. So, you're kind of being delivery focused, but not really. If the client asks for three, you provide three. You know, thinking of some of our earlier clients, there wasn't enough experience and confidence to say, Hold on a second. Let's just explore this for real, and then us taking stock over the last say year or two, going well. Where do we like being? You know, where does our kind of talent like to live? And getting to the conclusion of we like to live around seven, eight, nine. That that's a that's the right space for us, where we're you know jointly accountable and we enjoy with the delivery. Right, we want to be part of the business outcome. Like, what are you trying to build? And then. By making that distinction, like where we like being involved in the business outcome, I don't think you can not now ask, Well, I'm going to give you three of my devs. What are you going to do with them? Because we want to be part of the outcome. And sometimes you're sure CTO is like, Well, not interested in your opinion, you know, Alan, you know, move along. We're actually looking for a a two, three, four on the spectrum. And then that's okay. But I think by us realizing we like being around the six, seven, eight, um, that it allows us to. Yeah, I try to fight for that delivery as well. And I'm just thinking of the of the last two or three clients, say, in the last six months. It's it's a lot more fun for us, right? Because you're you're a- actively able to say, you know what, you don't need that dev, I think you need this dev, or make the suggestion, and they're responsive, and you can make a difference, and then you have, you know, seven, 10, 12 epic sprints, and deliver, and then move on to the next one. You know, like, yeah. You anyway, know, that's where we like to live, so.
1: So we've discussed quite a bit what's, the spectrum kind of looks like between being a delivery partner and you know just providing what the the CTO asks for, and at that point in the kind of the life cycle, uh, we've already made contact. You know, if I'm I'm a CTO of a company, I've already made contact with you guys, and we're figuring out what the relationship is like. But maybe to take a step back and before that, if I'm a CTO, what are the things that I'm needing to consider or be aware of if I'm wanting to uh, mm. look into outsourcing?
0: Yeah, a lot of the time you would think, well, the questions are, well, send me your rate card and what skill sets do you have? And it's about speed or it's about cost, right? I think uh, there's probably a bunch of questions that I'm surprised we don't get asked more often. Or when we are asked it, then I'm like impressed, like, okay, cool. You know, this CTO, he's he's got it. Um, I mean, a couple of those is asking, how are you resourced? So how is your consultancy of, 30, 40, 50, 200 devs resourced? Are you primarily permanents or are you primarily contractors, right? And I think asking that question, what is the mix? Okay, so, Alan, you've got, you got a team of 50 there. What's the mixture of perms to contractors? I think paints a bit of a picture as to, okay, what's the approach to talent? What's the approach to growth? What's the approach to retaining talent, right? So, yeah, that's a useful question that oddly we're not asked very often. Um, think it's also worth asking how how are projects normally resourced if i did ask for a team of four and it was two devs and three bas and off we went how would you resource it is it um are you just going to hire so i need a team of five and you don't have any developers on the bench am i just going to hire out all five because if i'm going to hire out all five and bring five fresh-blooded individuals onto some team and i've known them for all of two hours for an interview process. Well, what benefit is that to the customer? Because the customer could also just do that. Or or is there, yeah. So I think it's understanding the approach. Would you, would your contractor or your, would your outsource partner um, be giving you a mixture of old blood and new blood? And what kind of mixture of old blood versus new blood? Because that'll give you a sense as to how much risk this outsourcing partner is really taking on you. If you're just giving, if they're contracting you for six months and then you just go and get four contractors signed for six months and you pass it on, that's very low risk. And who knows if that talent will work out. Um, I think another interesting question to ask is what's the contract, what's your outsourcing partner's churn rate like? So how long is your average developer stay there? Because if it's less than your own company, like if we're, a, don't know, if you're a fintech company and you've got, 13 devs, and you can hold on to them just fine because you've got great progression and good career development and cool tech stack. And now you're getting a contractor who can't hold on to devs for longer than 13 months, but you can hold on to them for two and a half years. Well, then, okay, what, what are you doing this for? Is it just for speed? And it's very much like a throwaway thing. But I think you know, understanding where you're... Um, yeah, the churn rate of your partner. Because if they can't hold on devs better than you can, then what do you, like, that, that to me is one of the key things of having a contractor. But, yeah, there's a, there's a few others as well that I think is worth asking, which will, will come to me. But, yeah. All right. Okay, so we, we,
2: we've, we've, we've looked at some of those considerations. And, and, and you're right, there's, there's very few guys that even think about that, right? And, uh, and I think for me the tough one is why does it matter, right? Because if you're, uh, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but why does it matter? Why does it really matter to a CTO whether you're hiring contractors or you're keeping permanent staff? What's the what's the crux of that argument?
0: Well, I guess it matters if you're looking for a partnership, right? If you're just looking for a bunch of devs to do some stuff and you don't see much future because they're just surging to use a couple of devs and they turn them off, okay, then sure. If this dev house can't hold on to devs, well, then maybe what difference does it make? But there's also something inherent about developers and that if they are engaged, if 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 you can hold on to devs for longer than two, three, four years, then you're generally engaged in more interesting tech. If you're generally engaged in more interesting tech, they will probably have a higher skill set and be able to have more to offer you. If 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 your dev house is churning devs every twelve months, which is like what is the average these days, like fourteen months, then it doesn't necessarily inspire like what kind of projects are you doing. Because if your devs are leaving that often, you're probably not doing that many great projects. You may be doing a lot of like BAU, like maintenance kind of projects. So then maybe your talent is actually not as strong as the project that you need. So I think it's a it's an in churn, I think, is an indicator of developer engagement. And developer engagement is an indicator as to uh how uh how sharp and up to date that skill set is, you know. Um and I think, I mean, on that, I think another question which should be asked more often is, um, what, is uh, what is done what's – the, what's the outsourcing partner's approach to learning in amongst the teams? Because if it is just – if your outsourcing partner is just a, a bunch of loose devs, you know, it's, you know, 300 devs that engage with um, their bank of clients, but Fred on Project A and Alice on Project D – there's no interaction and there's no real cross-pollination, there's no real upskilling or learning outside of the team setting, then really you just have Fred or you just have Alice. I think one of the major benefits of having an outsourcing partner and why you're paying this premium margin is that Alice's learnings can become Fred's learnings. And there's there's this challenge or the school fees that are being learned on project A that can become useful to client. F, you know, there's this cross-pollination. So if there's an approach to learning like tech talks and the cool stuff that Harley does in workshops, it's like, okay, there's an investment in upskilling. So the contr- the client, the CTO might only be paying for a team of four developers, but they're indirectly actually getting access to 44 developers worth of insight and learning because you're your one client. Like you just have your business problem that you have right now, but you actually want access to the historic school fees of our collective 15 years. So if we have 15 years of school fees, you wanna tap into the 15 years of school fees, not just the the one year of you know just Harley school fees of that one developer on one project. Like that to me is one of the main reasons why it's worth paying a premium for a contractor. And yeah, for a for a CTO not to even ask, well, what do you guys do for upskilling and cross team learning? Like that to me is a question you should be asking your outsourcer. Like,
2: Right. I mean, I, I'm, I can speak from experience, right? I rely on on the, the team around me here when making any sort of technical decisions, right? So, you can have all the experience in the world. You're not going to know everything. And you think you might have the idea. So, you definitely lean on yeah. all of the individuals in this business to get to the right answer. So, um, aside from the sort of the formal knowledge sharing and and yeah. the formal brain spaces where you can learn from yeah. each other, it's those. I suppose it speaks to more the culture of our business. But there, but, is, there but, is that open communication channel that's yeah. always there, regardless of
0: who's allocated to your project yeah. or not. Yeah. There is always somebody ready to listen. Yeah. But if, if you think of the real case scenario, so like let's say a project where, um, Guy, you're allocated on a project for three days a month for some architectural oversight. So those three days are spent in code and, and code reviews and checking that team. That, uh, and as part of that architectural oversight, you spend three hours on a on a whiteboard with uh, Rian and Harley and three other tech leads that are not on that client's annexure at all, their bill will come at the end of the month for guys three hours. But actually behind those three hours was three hours of Rian and three hours of Harley, plus three hours of three other tech leads, plus maybe an analyst who had worked on a project quite similar two years ago. So the actual bill for those three hours is significantly more than the three hours of Guy in that consulting capacity in Sprint 4. So yeah. there, if you don't have any of that, you're just getting Guy for three hours, which certainly could yeah. still be well worth the money. But can you imagine if you? Well, that? I don't t- know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a different podcast topic.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's leave that one for another day. Yeah. <laughs> so you're touching on something I think that's very important to us here is the, the cross-pollination, like you say, in the content creation, the sharing of knowledge. Yeah. Uh, Maybe just declare that we can't speak on behalf of all outsourcing firms, Uh, but that is very important (laughs) to us. And yeah, don't uh, don't come to us and say, uh, you know, you guys said that there would be all this extra people in the background that are working the the Wizard (laughs) of Oz behind the curtains. Yeah, Uh, it's our approach um, because that's kind of what we believe in and how we think we can be the best partners we can be. Um, So maybe just to add some context there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we we've got we've got customers
2: all over the world, right, so we work in many time zones ranging from the u s all the way over to australia right and And I think there's a lot to say about the South African context regarding time zones but but is there anything else that makes South Africa special? What's unique about the South African outsourcing provider? in your opinion, guys? speak to both of you what are you what are your opinions here?
0: Yeah, Harley,
2: what
1: do you think? So I think the Besides, obviously, the the strength of the rand and all of that type of stuff, right, it's making us somewhat cheaper. The cost of living is cheaper, so you can get devs at two or three times less that are just as good as the local UK devs or the American devs. Or like, I don't even want to know the the difference between us and the Silicon Valley devs. Hmm. Um, obviously, location's great. We're kind of smack bang in the middle, so we can kind of play both ends of the spectrum, like you mentioned. Their guy that the US, we got a couple hours delay there and um, you know the australia's a bit ahead of us mm. but i just think the quality here is incredibly high in terms of there's a lot of great developers contributing to big open source projects there's a lot of developers um, if we look at the the amazon team there's a massive amazon team yeah working here in cape town and they're the work that they're doing is of the highest level and it's being used all over the world yeah so i think beyond just our location and the the cost. I think the quality is so high and that we can compete on a on a global scale.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think South Africa for a while has has been a, a sweet spot of of you know language and time zone and cost and talent. I think yeah and testament to the likes of Amazon going, you know what, let's let's set up a base here and let's let's build a team. I think that's testament to some of the universities and their approach and i think also to the amount of yeah i think i think south africa could do a hell of a lot more and there's maybe a topic for a podcast on on Definitely. if if we were running things what would we do because i think there's some really impressive stuff that that eastern europe does that is really progressive and pushes the it foundation and that sort of like we we'll say grassroots, but that like real platform of developer talent is is really impressive. Um, But yeah, I think where South Africa stands out, yeah, time zone. And look, when it comes to building high performance teams, like high performance teams require constant feedback, high EQ, high trust and good comms. And sometimes language barriers and cultural barriers can hinder that, right? So if you try, if you are seeking a high performance maximum team, I, I think it's, it's good to be thinking about language and cultural barriers. And you do need to expend energy to work over those barriers. It's not insurmountable, but you do need energy to do it. You can't just just think it's going to solve itself. And yeah, I think South Africa does benefit, interestingly, from um, internationally, we seem to have a, a really consistent reputation of having a decent work ethic. I know among South Africans in South Africa, we might think, oh, these South Africans are, <laughs> are, are lazy and uh, if, if only they would like the British. But there is a great uh, international reputation of, uh, I don't know, I don't think I've yet come across a client that has interacted with South Africans on their team, whether they're now South Africans that have immigrated to Australia or to the UK, who, has, who hasn't gone, hey, we got a couple of SAFAs on our team, love it, Let's let's talk. So I think... Those that have immigrated, I think, have done, yeah, have done a service in that sense that they haven't gone there and made a complete ass of themselves, and that they they've shown a level of work ethic. And I think there's a I think there's a sweet spot in there that yeah helps. I mean, yeah, look, not to say and Harley, I think it's on approach, right? Because there are so- South African consultancies that are more bums in seats, right? So the yes, their approach is different, and there are equally dev houses in Poland who are just off the charts, epic, like and and are really impressive. Um and equally there yeah, so I think it's important to like identify what kind of outsourcing part. If you're going for high performance, then what kind of things you should value. If you're going for high delivery, what sort of things you should focus. If it's about actually you've got a really mature backlog, mature scope, mature understanding, good POs, good BAs, okay, now you can live in, in certain places where other countries are really strong at one, twos, and threes on that spectrum that are really good at, at just outsource recruitment. Um, but yeah, I think it's good just to know where you are on the spectrum again. And then you'll find South Africa features in a very specific space. So while we're
1: on that topic, something I'd really like to get to the point of us being able to say, because obviously we have, besides just having clients in you know other continents, we also have uh, other Hayfilly software, I guess, implementations and instances in these other continents as well. There's anybody in Antarctica? You can reach out to me directly, and I will make sure I will do whatever it takes to get you guys on board. Because I would love to say that we've had and and clients on every continent. (laughs) If clients on every continent, like that, can be the banner first thing you see on the website, a client in every continent. uh, Because I don't think the location helps with that. The time zone, and I mean Antarctica. We're right there with you. We're in the same time (laughs) zone. Like, let's do it. Reach out.
0: And I'm sure there's some cool IoT stuff happening there. So, <laughs> so sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> look, look, we, we've touched
2: on some some awesome aspects about um, outsourcing it up until this point, but I, I'm keen to hear some of the cons. What, what's we can touch on some more pros, yep. of course, but let's let's talk about some cons. Why, why shouldn't you outsource? What are the what are the cons here? The less obvious ones.
0: Yeah. So, have we bumped into school fees and maybe are yeah, useful to the the odd the cto is about to go down the road um probably three come to mind one watch out for the dependency issue so this is where you outsource maybe too much and now you become beholden to your partner and maybe you didn't intend for that much codependency between you um and especially if your partner doesn't have a good churn rate okay now you've passed the keys to somebody and they've drop the keys because they can't hold on to devs long enough. So I think there's a definite factor around making sure if you're going to build a dependency, that you build a dependency on someone that's reliable and has the same value system and that you can run with for a while. Um, so to, before you jump onto the next one,
2: I can attest to that one being predominant. You see that all the time, right? Because a lot of people just want to get that, get the solution out of their heads. It's somebody else's problem, right? So I'm outsourcing to these guys. It's their problem. Make it their problem. And you don't, you don't take the time to think about what comes after the six-month, 12-month, three-year engagement with your outsourcing provider. You just don't. Yep. And it's not something that's in front of mind because the solutions is happening. Things are rolling. You know, you're getting yep. value. Yep. So it's so easy to fall into that. And I've actually seen it happen on more than one occasion throughout my career where you now have to, the company goes, oh, wow. We, we're not continuing with the contract for whatever reason, uh, so now they're scrambling. Right? They're hiring. Yeah. They're getting people together. They're trying to poach people from you, and they're trying to you know they're trying to get that going. So
0: mm.
2: I totally agree with you.
0: Get that yeah. right
2: from the beginning.
0: Yeah. And it's yeah, it's a case for for building a hybrid team. So in other words, if you've got a certain amount of budget, it might be a case of not outsourcing all of it, but actually you know retaining a key individual um, and then bolting on the others. So yeah, it's a case for that. Um, I think another not so trivial con that's worth watching out for that I think undermines more outsourced teams than it should is this us versus them mentality, which if it's not handled well and communicated well by dev managers and heads of engineering and CTOs, you can land up in a place where you've got a hybrid team. So like, good job. Getting your hybrid mix right, you know, you're not getting too dependent. You're getting your partner, and and you find the right partner on the right mix, and you assess the spectrum, like which partner do you have, and you tick all those boxes, and then you bring in three devs from Cape Town, and they join your three devs in Sydney, and the comms aren't quite set up quite right, and you start having an us versus them, you know, like so the perms are the first class citizens, and the contractors are the second class citizens, and and. Now you get politics quite quickly between whose pull requests are more um, more valid than another, and who's leading. And like you can resolve some of that just through sort of good uh, you know communication lines. But amongst the devs in the dev team, you can land up roading a lot of your high performance. And now you've got six high performance individuals, but they're distracted by this us versus them. And I mean, we've seen cases, which is quite unfortunate, where. Uh, communication wasn't quite right to the internal team and it sent a message like the internal team is expendable because oh here come the south africans you know And it's like, that's not the message that w- existed at all but it created a sense of ah uh, so we're being replaced by these cheaper south africans and then the better the south africans did the more it impacted the team morale because it was like oh and they're good oh uh, you know, then there's like sabotage effects kick in because the locals want to protect, no, this is their code base and this is their team. And well, we want to work on the cool projects. Why don't we give the, you know, let's give the crap stuff to the to the outsource team and and you know, so it's quite easy for those sort of tribal things to creep in without noticing.
2: I mean it's it's human nature, right? So we, we're we're quite you know, we're quite versed in that. We've seen it a few times now. So we've got trick tips and tricks and and ways of solving that and, and and seeing it quite early and trying to nip it in the butt. But, you know, as you say, it's, it's, it creeps in. And and I think it, as you said, it stems from that initial message, right? So from the CTO down to his existing team, you need to get that right. You need to at least have a clear picture in your mind as to the reasons why this outsourcing team is to jump in there. If they're, if they're to save the day and put out fires, then that should be the message and, 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 you know, and work with the team to, Make them aware of that. Don't hide the fact from them. I wouldn't say that that's a good approach either. But uh, at least have a message. Don't don't go in there and say, oh, hey, guys, here's your new five-man dev team coming in to help us out to get this project over the line without giving them a rhyme or reason as to them being there, Um, Mm -hmm. which is more often the case. Because it's easier to not say anything and just go, well, I'm the boss, right? I'm bringing
0: in this dev team.
2: You guys can figure it
0: out. I mean... We found if I mean maybe it's because we're devs and you sort of or at least I was one and I can still kind of remember the, the, the taste of code. But it's I think coming from a uh, coming from a place of a developer, if the message is more well, here are coming a team of contractors who have this wealth of experience and we're going to actually tap into their knowledge on React and their knowledge on some crazy Azure stuff or some some stuff that is not part of the team. And you make it about skill set, you know, not make it about you know, cost and budget. And and it's actually about the learning. You can actually then score this win where you've actually got this hybrid team and your locals love the mixture because you're bringing in new blood, right? Because now they get to actually learn from this epic React architect. And then equally in reverse, the contractors are learning from the locals about domain and, you know, the history and what's happened on that architecture. And we we see stuff we haven't seen before. So I think, if you, I mean, devs love that, right? I mean, it's about... If you're not learning, you're dying, you know. So if it's if it's brought to learning, then yeah, we found that it helps to combat that us versus them because the common goal is, hey, we're both learning a hell of a lot. And you know, thank goodness that the contractors joined because now, you know, those three guys on that aging code base have now got an opportunity to maybe move this solution into Azure. zero. Or well, now they're, you know. So you know, if you try to sort of spin it to the lens through the through the developers' eyes, that definitely helps a lot on the ground. Yeah.
1: Okay, Alan. So we've we've covered quite a few different things here, and we're nearing our time. If you could give a closing remark about outsourcing, what 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 would you say to a CTO listening to this?
0: I think the the closing point I'd want to make is, uh, yeah, be mindful of all of the players on the spectrum of outsourcing. Right, outsourcing isn't just about getting cheaper devs and i think a lot of the time that's what it feels like and i think it's worth exploring more on the spectrum and then you there are because there are other players with different shapes who are modeled differently whose teams have different makeups um yeah i think the key point is to look at the whole spectrum and identify where you should be on the spectrum and yeah chat to all kinds you know, often you'll find yourself speaking to the same two or three contractor types. Is to actually widen that search a bit more and get a feel. I think that's the that's the the play. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much, Alan and Guy. That's all the time we have. If you guys have any more questions about outsourcing or want to know more about what we do at HeyFilly Software, or you have any topics you want us to chat about, for some reason you would want us to speak about that, which is which is weird. <laughs> but you guys can find all of us on pretty much all the socials. We have the Agile CTO on LinkedIn, as well as our website, which will all be in the, the description. Um, yeah, thanks so much for joining us, guys. This was a great roundtable.
0: Yeah, likewise. Thanks, guys. It's cool. Yeah.
1: Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Holly. Cool. Catch you guys on the next one. Bye, guys.
0: Sure, bye.
2: At Hayfully Software, we build dev teams that deliver and fix those that don't. Dev teams fail to deliver all the time for countless reasons. From lack of skills to barriers and culture, from politics to process, from silos to egos. Whatever the reason, it's time they deliver. This is why we exist. From enterprise to startups, we craft high performance dev teams focused on end to end delivery. Visit Hapely Software at OutsourceHS.com to learn more.
0: You've been listening to the Agile CTO. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in Your Favorite Podcast Player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.